about that cigar? How about that cigar? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's another beautiful Tuesday night, and we are here live on episode number 38, not 38, <laughs> 39, 30, <damn. laughs> we're live here on episode number 39. 39 of How About That Cigar. Thank you guys so much for watching live on Facebook. Take a moment, if you would, please share us out right now to your favorite Facebook cigar groups and let them know that we're live and we have a show going on. We appreciate it. If you are listening to the audio podcast after the fact on your favorite audio podcast platform, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. Please take a minute, if you would, and uh, rate the podcast a lovely five stars. We appreciate that very much. Uh, as always, we come to you from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. We are here at Sody's Cigar Shop here in Oak Park Heights, Minnesota. Uh, and our show is sponsored by Drew Estate. And Drew Estate just announced the reopening of the Cigar Safari Program, the ultimate experiential cigar tour in Esteli, Nicaragua, hosted at La Grand Fabrica Drew Estate in four days and three nights. Starting back in 2008, Drew Estate has been the industry leader in cigar tourism through their Cigar Safari Program. Safari represents an opportunity for consumers and retailers to take a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Drew Estate's Nicaraguan Cigar Factory and explore the eco-tourism of Nicaragua. At La Grand Fabrica Drew Estate, our guests learn the entire process of creation from seed to cigar, including the magic experience of blending their own cigars. While visiting subculture studios, attendees will have Drew Estate's very own art team custom paint an item of their choosing. The experience is truly unforgettable and unique among cigar manufacturers. For more information on all of that, please visit DrewEstate.com or CigarSafari.com. So, Garrett, I Boom. heard somewhere that mm. there's a football game coming up mm. this this coming Monday night. This Monday night. So, for those of you mm. watching and listening, you may know mm. that we come to you from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, Garrett and I, being on opposite sides of the uh, of the football uh, sphere, Garrett is a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. I'm a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And coming up on Monday Night Football, uh, our teams clash for an extremely important game. It's a big game for both it, teams. Yeah, it's uh, huge playoff implications and. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it they're is. they're both teams that have shown great flashes of mediocrity this season, but I think yep. both teams if they get their rhythm then anything could happen. It really is. It's a coin flip in my opinion. Um you know, the advantage I think may slightly go to Minnesota cuz they're undefeated at home. Um and you know, they seem to be firing on all cylinders. That being said, the Aaron Rodgers factor has time and time again proven to be a very deadly weapon. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, it really depends if he's feast or famine yeah. uh, on, on that given, you know, Monday. And U.S. Bank Stadium is a very tough place to play. It is. So. Yeah, it's loud. It's, uh, I mean, the, the team gets energized by the crowd. And, yeah. Um, but that being said, I, I, I you know, it's going to be a great game. Yeah. Going to have a lot of fun watching that. We'll probably yep. head to one of our favorite uh, uh, nearby Twin Cities area cigar lounges mm -hmm. and watch the game. And mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who are, you know, out there, uh, give us a shout in the comments. Let us know who you're going to root for. Um, and it may be none of the above, but, uh, you know, let us know. Um, so we are about to bring in, we have a great special guest this week as we always do. And we always really appreciate the time that they give us. And we want to give a shout out to, uh, the company that sponsors 
the main segment of our show every single week. And that is Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. They are the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. And you will also find the unique and very limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. As a cigar retailer, Jeff believed consumers would be willing to pay a little more for cigars that contain genuine Florida-grown cigar tobacco, as long as the tobacco was unique, distinctive, flavorful, and of the highest quality. At Corona Cigar Company and coronacigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. For more information on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. Okay, uh, hang on. The, the copies this week were just not what i was looking for <laughs> you you need more more uh more of those words that you can turn into innuendo or basically you, i mean maybe yeah, yeah. maybe well I'll maybe work, that's what i'm saying i'll work i'll talk to jeff yeah. i'll talk to joe jeff. from drew estate mm-hmm. and see what we can work out yeah we gotta do that <laughs> i can't leave you hanging like that uh one real quick sports thing and maybe our guest wants to chime in on, on this as well but i want to talk about the george uh josh gordon uh situation that yeah. happened this week you know, I think um, it's really a sad situation. Yeah. Uh, such a talented player um, that, you know, both either addiction or mental health or whatever you want to call it has, has kept somebody who is great. He yeah. truly is a great player yeah. when, uh, when he's all together. And, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, five suspensions mm-hmm. in, you know, since 13. It's just, it's sad. Yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, it, 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 like you said, it's it's sort of been a perennial thing for him, yeah. unfortunately. And, you know, hopefully he can get his stuff together before uh, before it's too late. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll still have a chance to at least make a little bit of uh, of an impact and maybe maybe end up having a legacy in the game. But right now it looks like his legacy is just going to be heartache. Yep. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see. Uh, but guys, thanks again, as we always say, for watching and listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would love right now to bring in our special guest uh, from Diesel Cigars, Mr. Justin Andrews. Justin, welcome Justin. to How About That Cigar. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're so glad to have you on the show, brother. So what we start out with every time when we have somebody on the show is we want to learn about your Spider-Man origin story and or, or more to the point, your cigar origin story. So give us an idea of that first time that you sat down and fired up a premium hand-rolled cigar. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a that's a common question I get because it it, it seems like we're like the, the land of misfit toys here. Everybody yeah. has a really interesting story, especially if you're not, you know, third-generation Cuban born into this thing it's, it's kind of odd how we uh we all wind up here um i can tell you and this is not a this is not a plug for general cigar my uh my employer that i'm so happy to work for if anybody's uh listening from uh from hq in <laughs> richmond virginia but uh no it was um it was probably spring no 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 it was probably march of uh of 2009 and i smoked a sancho panza double maduro 
Ooh, nice. First cigar I'd ever smoked. I'd never smoked a cigarette. I'd never smoked weed. I'd never smoked anything. Uh, I might have smoked a hookah at some point, uh, which I guess, you know, basically a flavored cigarette. But yeah, Sancho Panza, Double Maduro. Nice. That's got some stank on it, too. Yeah, it's got a little stank on it. Man, you know what's funny? It tasted like like a little piece of chocolate to me. Oh, it yeah. Wow. Not Not super sweet. But I had a buddy of mine because uh, I told him I was like, "Hey, I'm applying for this this job with a with a cigar uh, Cuban cigar maker." And he was like, "Have you ever smoked a cigar before?" And I'm like, "No," but he's he wants a marketing <laughs> student. And he was like, "Yeah, you should probably smoke a cigar." So uh, yeah, I think he double plug. I think he bought it from uh, Cigar International too. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, I guess you know it, it, I should have known then. Whatever that was, uh, <laughs> ten years ago, twelve years ago. That uh, somehow, some way, I would end up uh, actually managing that brand about eight years later. So yeah, so give us give us an idea because you know honestly, the last couple years, and we've we've even talked about this with some other people that we've had as guests on the show. But really, for the last couple of years, you you guys have been killing it with diesel cigars with that brand. It's just been lights out. So. Give us an idea of what it was like for you when you first came into that role with Diesel Cigars, you know, taking on that that new challenge. And, you know, what were some of those first things that you started to look at when you came in there and, and uh, you know, started working on projects? Sure. Um, well, one of the things, uh, testament to the brand, is all of us had heard of Diesel. More than likely, you know, we had smoked one. Somebody had ordered one from CI or, or uh, uh, Myron Dutch. A lot of people would say, oh, you know, that was one of the first cigars I've ever smoked or it was part of a sampler. So I was very aware of the brand Diesel. It just re- wasn't really part of my universe as someone who focuses on brick and mortar and someone who focuses on brand equities. Um, but, yeah, when the, the president of our company, uh, Regis Brosma, came to me and said, uh, well, he didn't really ask me, but he basically told me, he said, uh, <laughs> you're going to start running Diesel uh, globally. Here in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, and uh, we need you to build a brand out of it. Uh, we feel like it's kind of peaked as far as it, it as it could go on a on a catalog internet brand, and uh, we want to see what you can do. So I, I dive into the brand. I, I smoke everything that's ever been out with Diesel. Um, obviously, I had a prior relationship with AJ Fernandez, so that was that was comforting to know that he's made every Diesel uh, that's ever been produced. And, and I really, the more I learned and the, and the more I, I applied myself to that brand, kind of the more I, I, I came to respect that it was much more than just a cigar that you saw in a catalog once a month or, or something that, that a distributor would sell. And, uh, and, and I really, really enjoyed kind of getting to understand the brand and, and appreciate the cigars and the tobacco. Fast forward, you know, several months later, I'm standing up in a, in a conference room with the senior leadership team from Cigar International, the senior leadership team from General Cigar, and our CEO of Scandinavian Tobacco Group, and uh, my new vice president of marketing at the time. And I'm standing there trying to convince this room that I'm the, I'm, I should take this this brand from CI. And no, no pressure, watch, right? Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> and I had, I had a little tremble in, in my voice the first couple slides. And I had 87 slides, which is a lot to present. 
yeah. you know, to, to a to a room of thirty people. Some that are rooting for you, some that are skeptical, and uh, and and so obviously it you know it, it it worked out because here we are. But my boss was like, "Yeah, man, you did you know very convincing, and and we agree with your you know your projections and where we see the brand." Um, he said, "But you were you were trembling a little bit those first couple slides," and I was like, "No shit." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here in front of the, the CEO of Scandinavian Tobacco Group that flew all the way from Copenhagen just to hear my dumb ass talk about how I'm going to, you know, I'm a cigar guy. I'm a, I'm a tobacco nerd. And uh, as, as AJ would say, Wahido, you know, I'm just a country boy. So <laughs> it, uh, it, it worked out pretty well, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, Justin, can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some of those early mentors or some of the people that you can, uh, you know, really give credit to for helping educate you and molding you into the, you know, the, the person you are in the cigar business today? Sure. Well, I, I, there's no chance that I, I would be where I am today without uh, Lou Rodriguez. Uh, he gave me a shot as a, as a college kid that, that had grown up in a tobacco family uh, with a history of, of tobacco farming with cigarette and chewing tobacco but didn't know a, a, a cigar tobacco from, from a candy bar had, had no, no idea. And, and to grow with his company and to later become, you know, vice president of operations and, and, and marketing um, uh, there's, there's, I just wouldn't be where I am today uh, without him. So I owe Lou a lot. Uh, he put me in some good situations and kind of uh, handed me the, the, the keys to the, uh, to the car there. Um, and then the second person, would be Michael Giannini because mm. when, when I resigned from, from Lou Rodriguez and, and sold my part of the business back to Lou, uh, Michael was one of the first people uh, to reach out to me and, and said, Hey, I think we've, I think we could use someone with, with, with your skill set and, and, and with your experience here at General Cigar. And so, um, yeah, without those two guys, I, I certainly would not be here uh, today. Awesome. So we just uh, want to let everybody also know what we just fired up. We just let me get the camera mm-hmm. moved over here. We just fired up the diesel whiskey row sherry cask. Mm. Very nice. And you can uh, you can find a review of this cigar and of the original whiskey row on howaboutthatcigar.com. Um so take us to, you know, when you started the when you first started saying, okay, we're going to work on a new project. We're going to work on a new cigar with the diesel name on it. What was that first project like? And give us a little bit of an idea of kind of the, the behind the scenes of how that project came together. So one of the first cigars um, that I actually got involved with was Diesel Grind. And the reason that, that we chose that cigar is that was the only, up until that point, that was the only diesel cigar that had never been sold online or in a catalog. It was a Myron Dutch exclusive uh, through the, you know, their distribution arm. And, and I felt like it was a pretty cool project, something that, that you know, didn't really have a lot of baggage. Um, it was pretty much already set up uh, before I got involved. Um, you know, I, I, the blend was picked. AJ was already producing it. Um, the packaging was already decided. So I didn't really have a whole lot to do with that. I just kind of that was the, the first step. Um, and that's what we launched at IPCPR in 2017 the the first project that i really uh you know i mean 
not to, to be taken the wrong way, but from developing the packaging to blending the cigar to designing the artwork, uh, I was involved in every step of the way was the original Whiskey Row. And, and the reason that I wanted to be so heavily involved, one, it's my brand, but two, you know, with a fresh pair of eyes and someone that, that hadn't been involved with this brand um, since the beginning, I wanted to kind of apply what I felt would work, my knowledge, my ability, and, and really do something different to kind of show retailers and people that finally had the opportunity to sell this cigar, like, hey, here's this new and exciting diesel that you can introduce to your customers that is not something that's been in, in existence uh, prior to today. So Whiskey Row uh, was the first thing that I, that I really dove in on. Awesome. And uh, could you let everybody know what you're smoking? So as you guys know, I just got back from Nicaragua uh, about 24 hours ago, and uh, I always come home with, with some treats. So something that, that, uh, that AJ and I have been working on for a while now is trying to combine the original Whiskey Row and the Whiskey Row Sherry Cask. So you guys know the story, the original Whiskey Row, the binder, the Mexican San Andreas binder is aged in rabbit hole bourbon barrels. The Sherry Cask has a Brazilian Aripiraca binder that's aged in Pedro Jimenez Sherry Cask. So what we're playing around with right now is a barber pole cigar. I don't know if you can see it. Holy but basically, it, it's got the Sherry Cask wrapper, which is a Connecticut broadleaf, with the Whiskey Row uh, wrapper, which is a uh, Ecuadorian Habano uh, pinstripe into the wrapper. And then we age the binder and the filler in the uh, Pedro Jimenez Sherry Cast Barrel. So this thing is, uh, it's, it's quite a, it's, a, it's a quite a departure from, from the two, but it's, it's definitely builds off of, uh, both of those cigars. So that's what I'm smoking now. Does and then have, I'll go ahead. Does it have a name yet? Not yet. I've just, uh, I've just got my little, uh, DWR on, <laughs> on the band. So, um, this is something that, that if I can pull it off, and these things continue to smoke consistently and, and we can meet uh, production. This is something that'll be uh, later in the year in 2020, probably Q3. Nice. Awesome. So the, I would imagine with a project like that, it's you're, you want to, like you said, you want to, you want to pull in the best characteristics of both of those cigars. So when you were working on, you know, for even going back to the, that original whiskey row, um, this is one of the things that I've always been curious about. Um, with that original whiskey row blend, when when you decided to go, you know, after this blend, did you start off right off the bat saying, "I want to do something with a with a a, a a tobacco leaf that's been barrel aged," or or was that sort of something that came in afterwards, um, and it just sort of turned into one of those projects where. You were a, you you had an availability of a leaf, and you said, "Oh man, that, I can absolutely use that in a blend." Or, like I said, was it from the very beginning? You said, "I want to do a blend with a barrel aged leaf in it." It would have been much easier had it been any of those things that you just mentioned. <laughs> it it uh, and it probably wouldn't have taken me almost two years to uh, to bring it to market. But no, I mean it's 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 pretty cool uh, the the way it happened. Um, it almost it almost felt like destiny. It was one of those you hear these things, these light bulb moments, and and all of us have those at, at at some point in time in our lives. And I had this light bulb moment. It was crazy. So, 
you know, I'm, I'm a liaison between our factories. I'm, I'm on our international uh, blending panel. So I work a lot with, with our factory in Esteli, our factory in Honduras, and our factory in the Dominican Republic. Um, and so I'm walking around uh, in Santiago, Dominican Republic, and I see these barrels, and I'm talking to uh, Johnny Diaz, who's basically head of the leaf for all of Scandinavian Tobacco Group. And, he, and he's telling me those are port wine barrels. And we age some some of the some of the tobacco for Cohiba and some other brands and things like that in these barrels. And I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. I've never actually seen, you know, that type of, of, of process because coming from the boutique world, I mean, I was lucky to get my hands on broadly, much less a tobacco to age in a port wine barrel. Like that was so foreign mm-hmm. uh, to me. So fast forward to from there, uh, CI has one of the few things that that uh, are, are actually has data which is we're in an industry that lacks data. Most of these retailers don't have POS systems. We, we call it uh, ocular inventory. It's like, <laughs> hey, but, uh, you know. If you see it, you have it. Yeah, how's your inventory? Well, you know, I, I've only got one box of Macanudo Portofinos left, so I probably should order some or, you know, <laughs> or no, I don't, I don't carry any general cigar. And it's like, well, you, you know, you bought X amount of dollars in the last year, so you're selling something. Oh, um, oh I did? Yeah. So, so fortunately for me, CI, when I took over the brand, they gave me this data and, and basically it was surveys. And I would, and, and through these surveys, I was able to figure out that eight, we, we've had well over 5 million people smoke diesel cigars in the last, less than, in the last probably five to seven years. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And, and we surveyed quite a few of those people throughout the year. And we found a high, high majority of them would uh, would have a, 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 a drink of bev- alcoholic beverage with their cigar. Yeah. And out of that percentage, there was an, a, a very high percentage of people, about 80 percent of those that that identified as, a, as an alcohol drinker with their tobacco, that they chose bourbon. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. So my guys like bourbon. Of course, they like beer. They like other things. But bourbon was a really high marker. Then, so again, that's just, you know, that's just a piece of the puzzle. Dominican Republic uh, port wine barrels, piece of the puzzle. And then uh, a friend of mine, a friend of my family, Caves Armani, uh, calls me up one day and is like, dude, I'm starting a bourbon company. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I've heard this before. It's different. It's just like you're starting your own cigar company. And uh, he's like, no, I'm serious. It's, it's we're, we're breaking ground soon, downtown Louisville. Uh, it's called Rabbit Hole Bourbon. Boom, 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 goes over the whole thing. So. I take a trip to go see him. We're going through uh, the distillery. Uh, you know, again, this is this is just a frame up that, that you know there's no bourbon there yet. He's got MGP making his stuff for him, and and they're explaining to me the the barrel aging process. And so I asked the question. I said, "What do you do with the barrels? You know, after after you extract the bourbon from them?" And he goes, "Oh, we destroy them. By bourbon law, you can only use a barrel one time, and and they're charred Kentucky oak barrels." We toast the barrels before we char them. Then we destroy the barrels and we use that wood for the toasting machine that, that toasts the barrels. And so I was like, another light bulb, ding. I was like, can I get some of these barrels? And it's like, sure, of course. And I was like, you're kidding, right? He's like, no, absolutely. And then so so I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I've already, I already know that my guys drink bourbon. I, I've got access to these charred Kentucky Oak bourbon barrels from Kelvin Cooperage, which are like top in the world. And I'm like, I can age some tobacco in this. We yeah. can. Uh, we, this is this is worth a shot. Now, all this is back in 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 late uh, 2016, 
Um, and so this is when it gets really interesting. So I call AJ up and I, you know, I first I thank him for everything that he does and remind him of all the success that we've had in years past. And I go, hey, by the way, I've got a container coming with some bourbon barrels from Kentucky. And he's like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I really want to send you these barrels. And he's like, if you think I'm going to put my tobacco in bourbon barrels, you're crazy. So I tell people trying to convince AJ to do this is like trying to convince your 80 year old grandmother to change her recipe on like fried chicken. Yeah. It's just, you can't do it. So we went back and forth, back and forth. And, and we have a mutual friend, a guy by the name of Alex Svensson, who's like, <laughs> I call him the most powerful man in the industry that, that no consumers or, or, or retailers know about, but he basically, uh, you know, discovered AJ and has, has helped him along the way. And I said, listen, we've got to get these barrels to AJ's factory. I, I can't let this go. So he basically coordinates with me, one of AJ's uh, head of operations and Freddie and the barrels show up. Of course, AJ flips out. He's not happy. And I'm like, look, man, they're there. Let's just try it. So we try it. We try it. We're, you know, the question is how much tobacco to put in them? How often do we rotate? Do we treat it like a pilon? What do we do? Do we put the whole cigar in? Do we put the wrapper? Do we just put the filler? Do we put the binder? And ultimately, it became quite a, quite scientific how much airflow we allowed into the barrels, how many barrels we needed, how many pounds of tobacco we could put in the barrels. And so I'm almost out of breath now. That was a very long-winded way of telling you that this was not something that just happened. This took a lot of people, a lot of moving parts, a lot of luck, uh, a lot of trust, and, and, and a lot of good fortune to just make this thing happen. Um, and then it sells out in the, in the first 30 days, and nobody can get it for six months. So. <laughs> So obviously the, the testing process of that, you know, it's, it's one thing to just, you know, throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks, but you know, you guys went through the process and uh, you know, can you talk just a little bit about what that, you know, discovery of how that tobacco aged and what that looked like? Sure. So, so the number one objective for AJ and myself was we did not want to compromise the tobacco. We're, we're not in the business of making a flavored cigar. I, I didn't want anything that was that was uh, saturated with this bourbon aroma, this flavor. We wanted something that was barrel finished. So, again, you see it in other industries, whether yeah. it's beer industry, the wine industry. And a lot of times people confuse barrel aged or barrel finished with barrel, fla- you know, bourbon flavored. Right. And, and, and so it, 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 it you know, my, my, my blood pressure runs a little high sometimes. I get a little irritated when I hear people go. Oh, I don't taste any bourbon. Like I, you know, I, I don't get it. And and the idea from from day one was to have this barrel aging process be supplemental to the cigar, but not a substitute for the tobacco that we were using. Yeah. And 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 that's where the the trial and error came in because we would we would we would roll the cigar and put and stack the barrel, fill the barrel with cigars, and the cigars would become saturated and musky and and over humidified, and it just wouldn't work. We did the wrapper. The wrapper didn't really work out that well either. You can't use the filler, obviously. So the binder is where we landed on because it's a thick, durable binder. And the other thing that I try to communicate to people is, you know, 65 to maybe 75% of what you taste on a cigar comes from that wrapper leaf. Most of the binders that we use are neutral in flavor, but they're there for combustion. So by aging that binder, in those barrels, it adds a depth of flavor just beneath the wrapper. And in my opinion, 
that's something that's not available in the market. It, it truly is different. And you get the bourbon and the aroma, but again, it's, it's, it's complementary to the overall cigar experience. And it just, to me, my objective, and I definitely didn't tell AJ this, was I didn't want someone to pick up this cigar and go, oh, yeah, this is an AJ cigar. And, and mm -hmm. it's a testament to him because so much of his product is, is, is fantastic. And he has a, a, a definite characteristic to his tobacco, just like all these guys, just like Perdomo does, just like my father does. Mm -hmm. they, they all have their way of blending and, and their tobacco has its own voice. And, and my goal was to create something that when somebody smoked it, they couldn't really pick out right from the bat, like, oh, this is AJ. Because this barrel aging process really refines and takes some of that heavy, dense smoke and those Nicaraguan characteristics out of the cigar. And, yep. and makes it a unique smoke in my in my opinion. And there's a marketing piece of that too, right? Because you went through the data, you saw that your smokers, that you your demographic were bourbon smokers, you know, using that as a as a marketing advantage. I mean, that's you know, kind of a key to the to the piece of that puzzle too, right? Absolutely. And like I said, it was it was, uh, it was a culmination of all these things, uh, relationships, uh, experience, and also some data that helped. And, and so, like I said, it was, it was a lot of moving parts. It took almost two mm -hmm. years to, uh, to make it work and, and to convince my company, you know, to let me, you know, design these crazy bourbon accessories and ship barrels from, from <laughs> Louisville, Kentucky to Esteli. And I mean, it, it, it was, uh, yeah, I got a little gray hair, I think, from, from <laughs> but it was well yeah. worth it. We got a viewer question that I have to bring up because it's important it's stuff. A very important question. Ed wants to know how do you drink your <laughs> straw or no straw? <laughs> you know what? I actually uh, I owe Ed Lehman a bottle of bourbon, and because of that question, I I, I may forget it uh, <laughs> here in, in in North Carolina. You know, I'm just so lucky, so privileged, and honored to work with 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 a man of Ed Lehman's caliber. Um, <laughs> Even though I've been at General Cigar about two and a half years longer than he has, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if if you guys know Ed, but Ed, Ed's been uh, Ed start has been through the ranks with our companies with General Cigar for a very, very long time, but he was unfaithful and he left us for another company, um, not in the cigar industry, but another tobacco company, and uh, and and you know, I told him I said it's like a relationship; you can't break up with your girlfriend for two and a half years. And then get back together and go, oh, yeah, we've been dating for five years. <laughs> so, uh, I, but, think, uh, I think there should be a rap battle um, coming up. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah I, uh, I think that's a good idea. We should have a rap battle. Well, yeah. Ed, Ed's quite a bit older than I am. So he, uh, <laughs> so it'll be awesome. He, he was listening to rap in the in the late 80s and early 90s. So uh, <laughs> he's, he's probably got a, a bigger library than I do. But uh, <laughs> no, Ed's responsible for some great cigars like Punch Diablo and and – Poya de Monterey, uh, El Torcedor. So no, Ed's Ed's one of the best. Uh, I I, uh, I I either learn a lot from Ed or I steal a lot of his stuff. I don't know which which of the two. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them I'm your favorite. <laughs> so awesome. uh, Justin, going back to you know, like you said, AJ had trepidations about you know these barrels. He's like, you're not bringing that. You're not bringing that shit in here. Forget about it. But in in the end, what, what can you remember that moment where you you know you guys start smoking some test blends and and AJ's like I I think this might work. 
What was oh, that yeah. like? What was that like? I mean, because you actually, I mean, because AJ is uh, for for people who don't know about AJ, I mean, you you it's it's hard to miss him in the premium cigar industry. I call him King Midas. Yeah, he's King Midas. And, and he, <laughs> he really he really has such a. I mean, his his depth of knowledge is is incredible, and and like you said, it's it's like asking your your grandma to change her her fried chicken recipe that she's been cooking since she was you know a teenager. So, so that first moment that he said that he said to you, okay, okay, kid, I think this might work. What was that like for you? Yeah. So there was you know there's there's obviously I have a tremendous amount of respect for AJ, and and his passion is overwhelming. But as, as most people are that are very passionate, they're very particular and they're very specific in in the way that they they see tobacco the way that they they manipulate tobacco um and and ultimately you know what they put their name on so we i go to i'm in nicaragua all the time and but typically it's it's planned out uh you know i know what i'm doing well i'm getting whatsapp from aj and he's yelling and he's he's not you know yelling as you would to a friend and and (laughs) it's this all this isn't going to work you know you know you crazy gringo blah 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 and, and so I was like, well, I got to go down there. So I go down and, and we're, we're spending just day from sunup to sundown working on smoking different things. And, and there, was, there was one batch. And at this point, timing was the issue. How long do we leave the binder in the, in the barrels? That's what we were going back and forth. So there's a batch of cigars that have been you know, left in the barrel X amount of days. And we're going through. We're going, no, this is too much. This is not enough too much not enough and then finally there's one batch and it's like boom and we're smoking it and aj i'll never forget aj just gives me this little nod like and he's got his hat on and he's smoking mm-hmm. and he sits back and he just goes and it's almost like ah, it's not that bad you know <laughs> and i'm like ah this is good and he's yeah. like well I, I wouldn't say that but it's not it's not as bad as the other ones we've smoked today um <laughs> so so we're going through we're going through but here the the when I knew AJ really, really was on board, I wasn't even at the factory. So we're a very small community and, and, and AJ makes a lot of cigars for a lot of people. And, and a lot of them are my friends. So they would call me and go, Hey, uh, AJ took me to the corner of the factory. and was like, yeah, here, come look at Justin's barrel. And then I had another guy a couple months later said, yeah, AJ uh, took me over to, to, to look at, um, your guys' barrels. And I said, your guys. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, oh, come look at the thing that Justin and I are doing. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. Uh-huh. And, then, uh, and then another guy called me up and said, uh, yeah, bro, uh, AJ showed me his barrels. His barrels. And I said, I said oh, his, his barrels. And he says, oh, yes. He said, he's very proud. He said, come over and look at my barrels. Come look at this, uh, this project that I'm working on. So when, when, when AJ kind of took ownership of it, I was like, yes, we've, we've, we've got something here. Yeah. And, and uh, sure enough, I get a uh, email from Freddie that says, uh, Freddie Molina, who, who's AJ's right hand guy goes, uh, AJ's requesting more barrels. So that was, that was when I knew we, 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 we had something. Absolutely. And I still get excited talking about it because again, you, you, it's one of those things that you just, you put so much time and so much energy and so much passion and, and, and you make sacrifices in other parts of your life and, and to, to devote to this project that you fundamentally believe in. And with anything, there's hurdles, there's roadblocks, and, and there's people that said it wouldn't work. And, and to, to I've been on the other end of this where it didn't work, but to have it actually work 
and to, to have something that I'm tremendously proud of is, is so fulfilling. And then when I go and do events across the country and across the world and I see people smoking the cigar and I have guys tell me, hey, you know, uh, I just my, my, my son had his first kid. I'm a grandfather for the first time. And we smoked, you know, diesel whiskey row like that. You, you can't put a price tag on, on those types of experiences. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we've got a, a viewer question. Where do I get one of these cigars? And that's from Trevor, a.k.a. Bob who is a uh, a family friend and um, serviceman. So uh, thank you for your service, Trevor. I'm going to hook him up. But for everybody else who is wondering where to get uh, diesel cigars, can you just give a little shout out? Sure. I mean, we we are in, uh, (laughs) we're in close to 2000 brick and mortar retailer accounts across the U.S. Um, And that doesn't include distributors, distributors, we're available in every major uh, online company, uh, you name it. Um, so it, it shouldn't be that hard to find. We've been able to to kind of uh, regulate our inventory, so it should be available. Um, if 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 you guys let me know what state uh, Trevor's in, I can I can probably name a few accounts in that area that would would have the cigar. All right, yeah, he's uh, he's in the Atlanta or in the Georgia area. Um, okay. Yeah, I kind of put myself on the spot there, but I know uh, it's all good. Uh, uh, the cigar shop in um, it's right outside of Atlanta. Uh, it's a big TAA account. Uh, Tim, they carry it. I know Scottish Tobacco in Atlanta carries it. Um, there is uh, Smitty's in Alpharetta, I believe. Uh, it's in Alpharetta. They carry it. We 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 are not that. We're all over Georgia, especially Atlanta. So yeah. shouldn't be uh, too difficult to find there. And there was a time where uh, diesel, you could only get that online, correct? That is correct. Prior to prior to me taking over the brand, uh, all the cigars were mainly distributed uh, through uh, Cigar International. Um, and so, and I'm just going to be completely honest with you for, you know, um, for those who kind of get into the cigar nerd lifestyle and you know, diesel has been that brand that we've known for a long time, but it was that quote unquote, uh, uh, catalog brand cigar. And those would typically get a bit of a stigma with some, you know, it wasn't the the real premium cigars. How did you go about, because I want to, I want to give you kudos and the guy who is really responsible for, flipping my mind and really um, checking that is Ricky Rodriguez and the things that general has been doing the last, you know, four to five years with, you know, these rebrands and, and uh, doing the awesome stuff that they're doing um, and that I see diesel doing. Um, But if you could tell us a little bit about you taking a catalog brand and making that, you know what, this is a staple that deserves to be in brick and mortar stores I believe in this product. I believe in what I'm doing. You know, what did that process look like for you? Sure. So, so I was kind of in the same boat you were, knowing Diesel and kind of going, oh, well, it's a catalog internet brand. There's, you know, it's 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 pretty inexpensive. Um, what I didn't know, and 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 what most people don't, is like I said before, AJ has made every Diesel cigar and that's that's ever been created. And the the key, and again, a lot of times we assign quality to a certain dollar value so if a cigar is 10 bucks it, it should you know oh it's going to be great 
And if it's higher than 10, it's going to be great. You know, five, maybe so less than five uh, is probably a value. Here's what people, this was the common misconception. Because CI sold direct to consumer, they completely cut out the middleman, which obviously has to have a margin, has to have a markup. So these cigars that were selling at two and three and four dollars would have easily been five, six, seven, eight dollars in a retail store. Limited edition cigars like the Diesel Wicked that retailed for ten dollars a cigar. You know, you're looking at fifteen, twenty dollars a cigar at retail. So the, the, the price, I think, hurt the brand initially. And and the the second part to that is I look at every brand as if if this brand was a person. Who would this person be? If La Gloria Cubana was a person, if Macanudo was a person, if Diesel was a person. And because Diesel didn't have a voice, it didn't have brand marketing, they could not tell the story of the tobacco that they were using. And, and they would. There would be little excerpts on, on, you know, on the website, but they didn't have someone traveling 200 days a year. 200, they didn't have a Ricky Rodriguez to get out there and go, here's what we're using. Here's the process. Here's AJ. So that story was untold. And I think that was a big misconception with this brand, because, again, this isn't a bundle brand. This isn't a mixed fill brand. This isn't a short fill brand. This is a premium quality cigar that was marketed directly to consumers. And obviously that's at a cheaper price. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing is with that comes baggage. So I was I was concerned originally of man, how many of these retailers are actually going to want to support this brand? Because in their minds, you know, this was their competition. Guys were smoking diesel instead of instead of coming to my shop. Well, uh, you know, we have data that shows the majority of people that bought, were buying this cigar online were also buying cigars at retail. They were just buying this cigar online because it wasn't available at retail. So to, to my surprise and, and to, to overall uh, excitement was retailers were coming to me going, Finally, finally, I can sell this cigar. You, I can't tell you how many times, how many times a day people come into my store and go, hey, do you have Diesel Rage? Do you have Unholy Cocktail? No, that you, you know, that's the internet catalog or whatever. So we, it was so well received. It was just overwhelming to all of us that these retailers were like, it, you know, thankfully, finally, now I've got something. Now, where I stepped in and was to make sure that it was price protected. So I created a level playing field. That, yeah, this my cigars are available in all channels, Internet, catalog, distributor, retailer. But everybody, it's a contract brand and everybody has the same ability to discount to a certain percentage, um, but it's price protected. So what what I did is I told retailers, you're not going to go uh, online as much as I can control. And there's some that I can't um, at any company. Skip Martin to tell you the same thing. There, some people get their hands on our cigars and they just blow them out. And there's not really a whole lot we can do about that. But for the most part, my number one objective was to make this brand a legitimate brand at retail through price protection and through partnering with these retailers, trade deals, events, limited edition stuff. But ultimately, it was it was finally giving them access to this brand. Um, adversely, I had some guys that were like, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to support CI. And, and as much as I explained to them that, you know, I control everything, you know, from seed to shelf, this brand. Um and, and they'd go, no, well, fortunately, I'd be able to pull up, you know, on my iPad and go, there's a quarter of a million people that are smoking diesel cigars in this region. They're, they can either buy it from you or they're going to buy it online. If I was a retailer, you know, why would you not offer this cigar? 
Yeah. So if they're going to get it one way or the other. Why not at least you be an outlet for that? And, and that has been uh, uh, very successful so far. Absolutely. That's really smart too. Um, give us an idea. So after the, the launch and the success with the original whiskey row, then you shift gears into the whiskey row sherry cask and it's such a different cigar but there's so much character to that sherry and Mm. there's uh, don't get me wrong there's there's character to the original whiskey row too but there's such a such a depth of different character to that sherry cask tell us about that process and you know obviously you wanted to add something new to the whiskey row family but you know when did you decide to bring the sherry cask piece into it yeah, so we all, you know, I, I kind of broke one of my own rules, but again, it's not the Justin Andrews Cigar Company, so I have some uh, <laughs> some people I have to answer to. Uh, but so for, so we launched the, the cigar in June, um, and and IPCPR was was about a month later. With, within the first twelve days of of my sales reps being able to to sell this cigar, we sold out of a ninety day forecast. I mean, it was just phenomenal. We go to the show, everyone who purchased their cigars at the show, which was the end of June, 1st of July, if I remember correctly, they didn't even get their shipments until October. Now, again, we can't produce a whole lot of these because of that barrel aging process. It's time consuming. So this isn't like a regular production, you know, hand rolled cigar. So then everybody starts getting their cigars in October. We immediately go on back order again. And I mean, so from to put that in perspective, in June of, of 2018, we launched a new Macanudo, a new La Gloria Cubana, a new Punch, um, a new Partagas, a new Hoyo, a new CAO, and Whiskey Row outsold all of those it, from, from June to December of 2018. And that's a testament to this brand and a, and a testament to, to the cigar itself. So I was sitting back, and again, I, I, I get, we always, and you talk to any of these guys, Saka, Skip, you know, Pete, everybody, what's new? What's new? I wanted to continue to work on the supply chain of this cigar and, and producing more of it. But when you have something that that's successful and a company our size, they immediately come to me and go, okay, what's next? You know, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, there is no next. This is what we're doing. And they're like, yeah, well, no, yeah, you're going to launch something. Um, and fortunately, as soon as this thing started to be successful, I immediately started working on something else through my partners at rabbit hole. And I've got a bottle here, little, little product placement there. <laughs> nice. but, uh, so, so my goal was, you know, again, I, I, I didn't want to cannibalize whiskey row. So I wanted to launch something that was just different. I, I couldn't guarantee that it would be as good. Um, but I wanted it to be different. So my thought was if I, if I need to do this, what's something that can exist on the shelf with whiskey row, but provide a different smoking experience. So to me, that's pretty simple, and you see it across the industry. If, if, if version A is a Habano, version B is a Maduro, or you know, a, a, a different country of origin. So fortunately, working for a company like General Cigar with, with the largest tobacco uh, library in the industry, I was able to go and, and start working with different tobaccos and working with AJ and, and working on different things. And it made sense to me to just offer a different smoking experience. So. One's a Habano, one's a Maduro. One utilizes Mexican San Andrean tobacco. The other uses Brazilian tobacco. Um, and again, through my partners at Rabbit Hole, instead of using bourbon barrels, we were able to actually use Pedro Jimenez 
sherry cast barrels from Spain, which as soon as I thought I'd kind of gotten this down to a science, trying to get sherry barrels that come from, that originate in Spain and age sherry cast, age sherry for 20 years, then go down to rabbit hole, age their bourbon, then go to AJ Fernandez in Nicaragua. That was quite the challenge. Yeah. Uh, also. So yeah, that's the, that's kind of the backstory of sherry cast there. And what's uh, r- remind us and remind everybody watching and listening what the um, uh, what the blend is on that uh, on that sherry cask? Sure. So I've always been a big fan of Connecticut broadly. Um, it's something that a lot of people use. It's something that in, in recent years, not a lot of companies have had access to. Fortunately, AJ um, does have access to this um, and grows quite a bit of it. So we use Connecticut broadleaf as the wrapper, Brazilian aripadaca as the binder. And then it's 100% Nicaraguan Habano fillers. So to me, that that the strength from a Connecticut broadleaf and and the characteristics of Brazilian Aripadaca um, hold up very well to the sherry aging process because sherry is so sweet and it's so aromatic that I needed a strong cigar that that could hold up to that barrel aging. So what it did, it took a full-bodied Nicaraguan cigar that was heavy on the tongue with a lot of spice and aging in that sherry kind of brought it down to a medium with a very crisp, clean finish. Um, so to me, it complements whiskey row. A lot of people, you know, like one or the other, which is, which is completely fine. Um, but like I said, my goal was to just create a different smoking experience and, and let people decide which one they like better. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, and Hector, uh, Hector Alfonso senior says, hello, by the way, he's, Don't uh, Hector. <laughs> and we had uh, we had Jack Tarano on earlier. I don't know if he's still on, but he was uh, he was watching earlier as well. So oh yeah, we we won't there. take any questions from uh, from Jack Tarano. <laughs> uh, he only asks one question every time I'm on uh, a show. So. <laughs> well, we'll see if he posts that question or not. Um, so shoot, I had a question in my head and it just flew away. Um, we were talking about the sherry cask. Yeah, it went away. It's gone. It's well. Gone. I uh, so Justin to just kind of change gears a little bit. Uh, my notes tell me that you used to be a professional dart uh, lawn dart thrower. That's uh, that's it. That's how I, uh, I, I I I lived in college was a professional lawn dart. <laughs> no, so uh, for those uh, listening and watching, uh, Justin did uh, spend a little time playing professional baseball. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Professional in the uh, the loosest sense of the <laughs> of the word. There, this uh, this collaboration cigar that I did with uh, with Eric Espinosa will last quite a bit longer than my uh, my <laughs> professional baseball playing career. Uh, so yeah, again, things come full circle. You know, I, I, I grew up going to tobacco auctions with my grandfather. My family had had uh, uh, farms in Virginia, North Carolina. My mother wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. We, you know, pretty much a non-tobacco family. And, uh, but I used to love, I loved going with my grandfather, spending time with him, jumping in his old F100. And, uh, and, but my passion was, was sports. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to have some God-given ability and, and, and some size that helped me in, uh, in baseball, uh, basketball and football. Um, and, but fortunately for me, baseball kind of, kind of stuck and, and, and I was able to, uh, to play in college and, uh, and, and, and a little bit in the, in the Marlins organization for about a cup of coffee. And, 
bounced bounced around in, in some independent leagues and and then pretty much realized that uh, I was not going to be able to make a career out of it and uh, that it was probably a good idea for me to go back and uh, finish my degree. So yeah. it was, uh, well, it was uh, just an awesome trip, you know, uh, down that. Well, you know, the older I get, the better my stories get. So uh, if you know, that's you the way that's the way life goes, man. You know, I, the better the stories get. Yeah. So, uh, it, but no, it was fun. I mean, again, it's all part of the part of the journey. I tell people that baseball and I had a bad breakup. Um, I try, you know, I, I I say that I retired. My girlfriend reminds me that I, that I was pretty much cut, and I said, well, I, you know, we agreed that I'd stop playing and they'd stop paying me. So. <laughs> that was, uh, that was kind of how that how that went there. And I know you're uh, you still are passionate Pirates fan, um, as in not the Pittsburgh Pirates, but uh, your uh, alma mater. That's right, East Carolina uh, Pirates. No, proud proud Pirate, and uh, Greenville, North Carolina, is one of those towns that uh, revolves around the university. So our fire trucks were purple and gold. Uh, the ambulances were purple and gold and it's just, you know, it's a great town. It's a great place to go to college, made some great relationships, uh, you know, helped start Lou Rodriguez cigars based out of Greenville, North Carolina. So yeah, so I'm a, uh, I'm a proud, uh, East Carolina pirate. Nice. Awesome. Well, let's, um, let's shift, uh, Garrett, let's move into this week's smokabulary words. Awesome. So this, this week's vocabulary words, are bunchero and rolero and being garrett what do those words mean whatever could they mean well for those who don't know um in the process of rolling a cigar it actually most often happens in a team of two you've got a bunchero who bunches all of the the tobacco together and a rolero who finishes off with the um, binder and wrapper? With the wrapper, just the wrapper? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. and Justin, uh, Justin knows better than we do. I think <laughs> and Justin, and Justin just got back from one of his many trips to uh, uh, to the cigar factory. So, uh, uh, Justin, uh, uh, give everybody uh, your quick take on you know the uh, the function that those people because those people, I mean, they. People lose sight sometimes. You know, we light up the cigars, we smoke the cigars, but those people really work hard and really, it's really an art form. You know the way that they uh, uh, put those cigars together and make the blends function the way that they're supposed to. Absolutely right. I mean, again, none of us would be uh, would be enjoying these uh, these fine cigars without the the dedication and the the knowledge um, that the people in the factory have and our bunchers and rollers. So no. You guys hit the hit the nail on the head. They are usually in pairs, and and you can usually tell the the pairs that are working better together. Um, some that aren't. A lot of times they're they're rotated, but more than likely, if if especially in our factories, if we find a good pair um, that works well with each other, uh, we'll continue to uh, to let them work well. In years past, it would have been very uncommon um, to see a a well, you would see a male female pair with bunchers and rollers. So. Uh, it, it would have been uncommon to see a, a, a man rolling cigars, uh, not, not, you know, completely uncommon, but the, the, the majority was typically a, a woman because of the dexterity in their fingers and, and, and their kind of delicate way of, of applying the wrapper to the, uh, to the bunch. Yeah. Um, but, but now it's, I mean, it's all over the board, but we, 
I mean, the strength of, of our factories and the strength of what we do is a direct result of, of the quality of the people that we have that are bunching and rolling these cigars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, guys and girls out there, when you're, when you're lighting up your cigars, you know, just take a second and, you know, remember there's people out there who are, you know, working pretty hard on a daily basis to, uh, you know, put those products together for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week's useless fact of the week, mm. um, I always try to tie it in somehow with, uh, the, the person that we're talking to on the show and Justin being, you know, from diesel cigars, I decided to start poking around for little factoids about, you know, diesel and there's, you know, it, you immediately go back to, you know, the diesel engine, which was invented by a guy named Rudolph Diesel, believe it or not. Um, and I never knew this before, but the guy actually disappeared. Um, and it turns out that on uh, uh, September 29th of 1913, he boarded a steamer ship on his way to London, and he just up and disappeared, never to be seen again. He was on. He was on the way to London. Uh, he was. Uh, he, he, somebody came, one of the stewards came to his room for dinner call and he was not there. His stuff was there. His watch was there. All, all his, everything. And he was just gone. No, no, no notes, no nothing. Uh, and then 10 days later, there was a crew of a, uh, uh, boat nearby that found, a uh, the body of a man floating nearby, but it, it was far beyond recognition as far as whether that was him. Uh, so I never knew that before. The guy who invented the diesel engine, Mr. Rudolph Diesel, just up and disappeared one day. So there you go. That's, that is quite the uh, the factoid there. That is yeah. this week's useless fact. Um, so, yeah, you've got holidays coming up with your families. There's something There's to share. That way you don't have to talk about politics or religion or sports or you know why you haven't given your parents grandchildren yet or any of that mm-hmm, stuff you can mm-hmm. just talk about rudolph diesel you're, you're welcome yep you're welcome um, we're here to serve we are here to serve and now time for this week's numero, numero de, de los, los muertos <laughs> all right i got some perfect harmony with that <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, too, like to uh, um, do my numero de los muertos in a theme that attaches to our guest. Um, so that's a bit of a hint. Um, this <laughs> this week's number is one. Well, that sucks. <laughs> one. And I'm going to give you a few parameters because, obviously, you know, you, you, there's nowhere to go with that. So I will tell you that. This Wait, was it Rudolph Diesel? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would have been good. That would have been great. Um, this happened in 1920, and uh, one man has died from this, and right. um, and no one else, obviously, since has has died from this. Okay, so one dude died from this in 1920. Yep. And I will give you his name. Oh, I think I know what it is. Because you said it's it in in a way it relates to our guest Justin. Yep. I think what I know. Mean? I think I know who it is, and I think it relates to baseball. It does relate to baseball. Okay. 
So, Justin, do you know this? Man, you guys, uh, you guys would get me when I'm jet lagged and, and recovering <laughs> from a ten day trip to Nicaragua. So, one guy who's died from this, and somehow it's related to uh, to what we've been talking about. I don't remember the guy's name, but I because that uh, that Ken baseball documentary i've probably watched the whole documentary from beginning to end like five times i love that documentary and the, one of the they talk about that if i remember right there was one person in the history of major league baseball that died getting hit in the side of the head with a pitch mm. it that is it boom good ray, call ray chapman ray chapman in 1920 and um there was uh Here's the the so interesting fact about baseball during this time period is they would only use um, the least amount of balls possible per game. They would uh, it was legal to rub dirt and snot and um, uh, tobacco juice. They would spit on it to and the the key was to soften that ball up. Yeah, and. Um, and so <clears throat> right after Chapman's death, they had a meeting and they called it the Chapman rule for a while where you could no longer scuff up the ball Yeah, and they would replace the balls. Um, yeah. Cause the, the, a uh, lot of pitchers would even keep a, a, a an old bottle cap from a, yep. from a beer bottle in their glove and take it out in between batters and, and use it to scrape up the surface of the ball. And that was legal. And it was legal then. Yeah. And the ball, the baseballs would get all misshapen, and yep. and they just keep using them. Yep, exactly. Um, so when the baseball, when the when the batter made contact, it was like hitting a wet sponge. Yeah. So and there was one, so there was one uh, official who um, started lobbying right after this. He said, you know, um, I don't know how this relates to you know Chapman's death, but we should look at protective headwear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hector says, I know that story. <laughs> <laughs> so here's another kind of little uh, tidbit. This happened in 1920. When did helmets become required in Major League Baseball? Oh, man. Uh, shoot, it was a while. Um, when did batting helmets become mandatory? Um, shoot. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think it was until I'm going to say the, the 1960s. Okay. What do you think, Justin? Justin, you got a poke? Uh, I'm thinking, so I'm thinking about some of the players that I've, I've seen documentaries on wearing helmets and the, the time period. So I would say 1954. So Justin is... He would win by uh, <clears throat> uh, by Jeopardy rules. Okay. <laughs> um, it uh, it became uh, available to players in 1950 okay. and required in 55. Required uh, in 55. Okay. Well, I'm sure Hector knew the answer to that one too. Yeah, I guarantee the uh, baseball expert. <laughs> him and uh miguel Shodell and jack Toronto, they're usually the uh the baseball panel there yeah they are yeah now do you follow any uh major league sports i 
do. I mean, obviously, I you know, baseball has a is is a big part of uh, my heart there. So, uh, so yeah, I follow baseball. Um, you know, it's funny we're we're an odd industry. There's there's more baseball purists I think that I've met that smoke cigars than uh, than in any other like kind of hobby. Uh, but yeah, no, I follow uh, I follow baseball. Um, I was trying to follow the President's Cup while I was in uh, Esteli. Yeah. Um, I'm unfortunately, I'm a lifelong uh, Washington Redskins fan. Uh, so that's been, uh, been traumatic uh, yeah. Sorry over my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so uh, it's a lot of football, a lot of baseball. Um, I was a big Charlotte Hornets guy back in the day. Yeah. And of course with, uh, with his airness, uh, Michael, Michael Jordan growing up about an hour and a half from uh, from where I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a big Bulls and, and Wizards fan back in the day. So, yeah, I'm, I, you know, especially with travel and, and, and staying busy, sports is a good outlet to kind of escape uh, from the day-to-day. And uh, I'm involved in fantasy sports and stuff, so it kind of keeps you uh, in the loop there. Uh, yeah statistics and things like that what are you doing in fantasy i don't want to talk about fantasy i, I do. don't want to talk garrett, do. garrett wants to talk about it i don't want to okay let's talk about garrett's in the garrett's in the the final game of our fantasy football league yeah so i'm in the uh i'm in the uh the quarterfinals in the the roma craft weasel league uh yeah, nice. there. so i've got i think i've got a knock on wood i've got a pretty good shot there and then uh i'm in a cigar industry uh group with uh with guys like garrett calhoun from davidoff mm-hmm. um havana Phil's cigar shop in greensboro north carolina yeah and uh, i'm in the championship game uh for that so uh that's two of the four i'm in the other two uh my team is uh is sitting at home right now <laughs> watching, yeah, my, watching the playoff my team is garrett's in the finals and you're playing for third i'm playing for third so I, my team did not None of my players showed up last week. It was one, yeah. just one of those weeks. Well, you and Jack Toronto have that in common because yeah. I, I I beat his ass pretty good uh, <laughs> uh, on on Sunday, which is you know which is even better. <laughs> well, um, let's uh, let's shift gears into some some uh, nonsense. Oh, Hector's got another. Gosh, Hector. God, Hector's Hector's got the trivia. Carl wow. Mays was the guy who hit him. So Carl Mays was the pitcher, right? For the Yankees. Chapman was a very popular player. Mays never got over it and didn't get into the Hall of Fame because of it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, oh if, man, if, if you if you threw that ball, yeah, can you imagine what that would do to you? Yeah, that would mess up your head pretty bad. I would, I would oh, think. Oh man, yeah. Thanks for that, Hector. And if he didn't get hit by the pitch, it would have been a strike. So he leaned into it. It was his own fault. No, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Um, it's like coach from Shears. Yeah, coach. <laughs> he was an expert at getting hit by pitch. I love that episode. Um, so, Justin, if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for ten minutes, who would it be and why? Ooh, <laughs> man, I haven't, uh, I haven't had this question before. Ooh, 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 ooh. um. It would, be, it would be Hector, wouldn't it? 
Oh, no, I can hear Hector's thoughts. He, Hector, <laughs> Hector texts me quite a bit. Hector's very much uh, what you see is what you get. And, yeah, Hector, uh, Hector doesn't hold thoughts. I, I appreciate the fact that Hector doesn't hold thoughts in, so you don't need to hear his thoughts. He, he speaks them. I love it. Uh, no, I'm surprised there's any oxygen left at, at uh, Espinosa headquarters between <laughs> him and Jack. They will uh, they will suck the air out of a room pretty quickly. <laughs> um, you know, man, I probably, you know, Ah, this is probably a controversial answer, but uh, man, to 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 get in the head of Donald Trump would probably be pretty pretty <laughs> pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, on. I mean, obviously, he's busier than anybody else on a day to day thing. So my luck, I'd get. You know, I'd say Tiger Woods, and he'd be like relaxing by the pool or something, and you know, talk about some Denny's waitress or something. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Probably the same for Donald Trump, though. So yeah, I mean, I I get, I you know, I I, I like listening to people that are that are a little, uh, you know, kind of out of the norm. You know, not necessarily uh, behave in the same way that a lot of I find it pretty hilarious. So so some of these guys, like you know Donald Trump or uh, or somebody that's that's you know kind of surprises people. Yeah. Uh, quite quite frequently would be uh would be interesting i think yeah so if uh if you were about to get into a fight what soundtrack music would come on oh it has to be the soundtrack to rocky of course all right <laughs> that would that would get me uh you know, oh, some, i have the tiger i have the tiger right there yeah <laughs> That's, I don't. I don't think I could lose a fight with that. Uh, with that soundtrack. Yeah, it's hard to lose a fight with that. With that music <laughs> behind you. <laughs> if uh, and I'm pretty sure, you know, based on uh, you know who you are, what I what I know, this answer is going to be. But uh, choose one of the following: you could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman, you could hit a home run as a starting pitcher, or you could score score a goal in a hockey game. As a goalie, oh man, gotta go is uh, well, I've you know, it's funny. I've done that a few times. I've there's been a, I've, I've hit a home run as a pitcher, and okay. that was a pretty uh pretty good feeling. So uh, hmm. I was back in you know little league, but uh, it was uh, it, usually they took the biggest kid and said, yeah, you throw the hardest. Go go stand on the mound and, and scare some kids. <laughs> um, I was I was more of a thrower uh, than I was a pitcher, but. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, never never uh, never played hockey, uh, so scored a couple touchdowns in my day. Uh, but yeah, hitting a home run there's there's no better feeling than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, every week we also talk about some notable smokables, uh, stuff that we've smoked over the course of the last week or so. That's interesting, whether it's new or old or or whatever it is. Um, mm. Garrett, do you have a, a oh few? yeah? Get us started. All right. My new favorite nightcap cigar is the Nugs 100 milligram cigar uh, by JSK. So, yeah, I've, uh, we've we've tried and even reviewed the, the original, the 25. Yep. Um, but I haven't tried the 100 yet. It's, oh, I got to get that for you. It's um, but yeah, I've heard I've heard, you know, good things about it as well. Dude. And. and Again, take away the CBD, it's a great cigar. But that CBD, for real, helps me go to sleep. Yeah, um, I, I can see that. Prior to 
uh, this, and I don't take any other CBD or any other sleep aids or whatever, but when I smoke that cigar for my last cigar, I'm, I'm, uh, I go to bed a lot better. You sweep like a little baby. I do. <laughs> um, so Justin, obviously, you know, all the people that we talk to yourself included, you know, you work for a brand, you represent a brand, you spend a lot of time, obviously smoking your own stuff, uh, which stands to reason a hundred percent. And you smoke a lot of test blends like you are right, you know, like you did earlier. But, um, you know, from time to time, you know, there's obviously other brands that, uh, you know, that people enjoy and respect. And if you're in the cigar shop from time to time, is there anything recently you've reached for that that uh, you found interesting? Sure. Um, yeah, I've been I need to reach out to Risty because I haven't smoked the uh, the nugs yet. Oh, uh, dude, that's uh, that's definitely uh, on my list. Um yeah, man, I'm one of those guys. I mean, I'm I'm a cigar nerd through and through. So, and and I love smoking new stuff all the time. Um, I, I was able to to swing by my friend's uh, factory, uh, the Padrones, and picked up a few cigars while I was down in Esteli. Uh, so that's always, you know, when you get a factory fresh Padron, is uh, is quite an interesting. I heard they make good stuff. Uh, just I, yeah, just I think I've heard of Padron before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might have smoked one or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just uh, just a few there, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I smoke a lot of their stuff. Um, I went by Nicasueno mm. and uh, spent some. I, I invited Skip over uh, for dinner, and uh, and he brought some of his. Uh, he just released a new uh, new or a pack that's coming out next year, part of their craft series. So I got to smoke the uh, the Baca in a in a in a new size and the wanderlust in a new size um those were very enjoyable um i you know i'm a, I'm a big fan of what steve Saka does with mm-hmm. his sin compromiso and uh yeah. Las Dias. yeah uh, i smoke a lot of uh a lot of his stuff but yeah i'm always interested in 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 smoking new things and uh and getting and fortunately for me this is you know i'm as a cigar guy i'm in the right industry so yeah. Can I, can I ask a question real quick? So you said, you know, factory fresh. Now, um, is there something to be said for letting a cigar sit and, and you know, in its cigar form for a while before smoking it? Or is that a misnomer? No, it's, it's just two completely different experiences. So, again, uh, you know, getting a fresh rolled cigar, um, you know, obviously they're they're there's a different experience there. And, and the thing that I explain to people is, you know, all of us are using tobacco that's, that's been aged, but once you roll that cigar, that, that aging process kind of starts back over in the marrying of the essential oils. And, and you've got a little window there, whether it's, you know, some people say it's a couple of days, some people say it's a week um, before that, that ammonia starts to set in and that cigar really starts to go back through that aging process. So if you smoke something fresh, it can be very enjoyable. The reason, we let our cigars sit um, is obviously to get past that, what we call kind of the green stage um, and, and, and let those tobaccos marry and ultimately uh, wind up being the finished product. Um, so no, I, I mean, you have to let the cigar sit because again, through, through uh, travel and, and distribution and things, we, we can't sell green cigars, but you know, to me, tobacco doesn't travel very well. Tobacco is a, is a, living breathing thing and 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 the change in climate the change in, in uh humidity and 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 moisture and 
all those things impact the tobacco. So for me, I, I get a kick out of, of going through the factory floor and picking up something that was that was pretty freshly rolled and smoking that um, because it is a different it is a different experience uh, yeah. overall. Yeah. Um, just a couple for me this week that were um, uh, another Nico Nico Sueno cigar, uh, the Guaymaro. Um, which actually is, I, I had the one that um, uh, I went to the Nicaraguan Cigar Festival in 2018, and um, th- uh, there were a couple of those in a uh, in a kit that came for all the attendees, and uh, I've been letting that box sit and just gradually smoking through it, and I uh, smoked one of those Guaymaros, um, and it's it's a really it's a really good cigar. There's there's earthiness and sweetness to it. Um, and it's just super, super rich and has a ton of depth to it. So, you know, if you guys can find that one at, at a local shop, definitely give that one a try. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one uh, of note this week was, uh, and sadly, I don't remember exactly the blend, but it's the it's one of the Jer- Jeremy Jack cigars. Um, and it's I think it's called the JJ14 or something like that. But, um, you know, it's got sort of their main their main band on it with their logo, you know, and. Um, I, I think, you know, they've, they've, uh, put some good blends on the market and that one had been aged for a couple of years, um, in my, my own personal humidor. And, and, uh, that was very good. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, Justin, before we close out, give everybody sort of a final idea of where they can find out more about diesel cigars and, um, you know, maybe, uh, another quick little plug for, uh, some fun stuff that's going to be coming up in 2020. Yeah. yeah, sure. So you can uh, you can go to our website, dieselcigars.com, um, has a full listing of our portfolio um, and, and where you can uh, you can find the cigars. You can also go to cigarworld.com, uh, which is a site that uh, we run through General Cigar that kind of connects uh, all of us. And, and they update our, our event schedule so you can usually kind of track and see where I'm at. Um, We've got Diesel Cigars on, on every social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, um, and Twitter. Uh, you can find that. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've, got, uh, we've got a lot of diesel out there, um, a lot of great retail partners. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention um, is uh, the, the collaboration that I did with Eric Espinosa, uh, Warzone, uh, started shipping last week. So that will be in retail, uh, retailers now. Uh, limited, we only made uh, 3,000 boxes. Um, so that won't be uh, won't be available too long, but it's a cool little collaboration that we did. Um, so get your hands on that while you can. Uh, the other thing is I released a, a limited edition Rothschild size of the original Whiskey Row um, for a holiday pack. And it comes with I've got the uh, the original, but I created these bourbon barrel lighters. Um, oh, so, nice. cool. And so we, we included a silver kind of a holiday uh, color lighter. Uh, I only made a thousand of these packs. Um, they sold out of the show, but check with your uh, your retailer to see if they were one of the companies that that ordered them. But yeah, you get a you get a five pack and a lighter. I don't sell the lighters; they're only at events. And again, that Rothschild size is not something that you can buy uh, daily. So those are those are two things that are hitting uh, that have hit retailers' uh, shelves in the last week. Um, Next year, man, 2020 is going to be exciting. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a new cigar. I kind of put a little teaser out on Instagram and Facebook yesterday. Um, it, it, it may be the best cigar that, that AJ and I have done uh, to date. Uh, that'll be coming out 
uh, next year, um, probably in the summer. And then, uh, like I said, I'm working on a few limited editions. And, uh, and also we've got, uh, we've got some more collaborations uh, in the pipeline. So you'll see some, uh, some exciting stuff. I've, I'm, I'm very fortunate that General Cigar lets me uh, go out and work with, with uh, some of my friends and, and do some cool shit and have fun. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to 2020. Yeah, that's awesome. And I have seen that. Uh, I have seen that Warzone cigar um, land on a few uh, uh, brick and mortar retailers on their Facebook pages. I've seen it land. So if it's out there, guys, definitely get your hands on it because uh, I've heard very, very good things. Um, so for those of you watching and listening, a couple programming notes coming up. This tonight is our last show of 2019. And, you know, 2019 has been a huge year for us. We really appreciate all the support and the love, honestly, from, from, you know, from us to you, uh, we really, you know, we, we wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you guys supporting us. So we really appreciate it. It's going to keep going even bigger and better into 2020. Um, The first show of 2020 is going to be on the uh, 7th of January. We're going to have our first ever, how about that cigar, uh, top cigars of the year list. Uh, from uh, the cigars that we reviewed in 2019. Uh, and then our first uh, live guest um, on the show on January 14th uh, is going to be Nick Melillo from Foundation Cigars. So very excited to talk to him and excited for what 2020 is going to bring. So if you guys have any questions, as always, hit us up on Facebook. You can email us directly from the website, how that, how about that cigar.com. Uh, Justin, we want to take a, a second and thank you so much for giving us your time yep. this evening. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This is uh, this is always fun. I love talking about uh, cigars and and kind of sharing some of the some of the cool things that I get to do. So you guys are uh, are, are a big part of of what we do and and really make things enjoyable. So thank you for having me. Uh, I hope you guys got that bag of cash that I sent you there for your uh, mm-hmm. 2019 uh, review. I know it's going to be tough for Nick to, uh, to follow me uh, next year, but, uh, but yeah, now Nick and I always have fun because every time I'm in AJ's factory, he's handing me some cigars making for Nick yeah. and, and, and vice versa. Nick's like, bro, every time I go down, he's like, Oh, smoke this, you know, this diesel. <laughs> so it's it's uh, jerseys. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. Nick's, uh, Nick is one of the absolute very best and uh, he he makes some of the best cigars in the world. So no, thank you guys for having me. Uh, thanks for letting me kind of run my mouth for, for, oh my goodness, an hour and a half. So uh, it's been great. And and honestly, yeah. we, we have, we've been fortunate to talk to a lot of people this year on the show. And every time, you know, we talk about upcoming shows and we mention your name, you know, for the last month or so, we mentioned that you know, Justin's going to be on the show in December and without fail, every guest we've had on the show, when we mentioned that you were going to be on the show, the first thing they said was great dude. Oh so, man. So that's, I, I honestly thought you were going to say they'd go, well, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you definitely have uh, you know, you've built good relationships out there and we yeah. appreciate you giving us some of your time and telling us about diesel and, Given all our viewers and listeners a little bit of an insight into, uh, you know, the passion that you guys put into uh, the cigars that you make. Well, thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I wake up every day excited to go to work, and 
I, I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather do. So thank yeah. you guys for having me and uh, keep up the good work. Yeah. And again, just a final note from me, uh, for those of you who were in my camp of, you know, thinking diesel or some of those other general cigars were just catalog cigars. They are doing a fantastic job yeah. of uh, reinventing some things, rebranding some things and doing some awesome things. So uh, go out and, and get, you know, wherever you get cigars, yeah. uh, pick up a diesel and, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Absolutely. Thank you so much. The best is yet to come. We're just getting started. That's right. Awesome. That's right. Hey, thanks guys for watching and listening. Until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Take care, guys. See ya.